Thank you all. We've said this the whole time. Thank you for being just socially aware of what's going on and being taking the precautions needed. Uh, we're, thank, we're thankful that you've taken that, and uh, we're thankful, you know, that the vaccine's out and people are getting uh, shot up, vac vaccinated. I, I, I got to be careful saying that. Uh, can you give it one more, just one more shout out to those people watching online? Thank you, our online crowd. Thank you for tuning in. Um, through the COVID, some really cool things have happened. We have like 17 different states that watch us live on Sunday, and it's really cool. We have pockets of people that watch, and then we have different ones that tune in. So thank you for tuning in. We appreciate it. We know that uh, y'all can't be here. Uh, some of you live in the area, and you're still being safe. Uh, just um, give give Ellen Annis a shout-out. Ellen does our online, and so Ellen, thank you. And if you're watching online, just say, hey, Ellen, thanks for doing what you're doing. She's got her computer, her mask, and she's ready, and they're back in-house, so it's just good. I, it's like I can take a few minutes and and be thankful, right? So thank, thankful that you're here, thankful that you're watching, thankful that, uh, you know, that we've been able uh, to purchase the technology needed to, to do some of those things. We're in the last week of our sermon series on the church, what the church is, and it's just a different take, and that's really what my intent was on how the church maybe was birthed through Peter, through his restoration process, and then uh, last week we just talked about the, the discipleship, kind of the moment, okay, and then you, the movement, and then the method, and today we're going to talk about what I feel like is a parable that Jesus gave, but it's kind of a reflection of heaven, and when you look in the mirror, you see what's looking back at you, okay, and the closer closer you get, the more you see. And the older you get, the more you maybe see bags under the eyes or crow's feet on the tip of the eyes or wrinkles or maybe less and less hair. I don't know that I can go any less than this, but someone this morning said, Pastor, look at me. I'm looking like you now. And I hadn't seen him for quite a while, and he, he was looking more like me. But I said, don't let it bother you. We're moving forward. Bald, bald is beautiful. That, that's, that's good. So the, you know, the old saying is that God only made a few perfect heads and the rest he put hair on. That's good. Uh, so, so we're in the church. And the reason I love church, and, and listen, when Janie and I travel, we almost never miss an opportunity to go to church. First of all, we love seeing other churches. Uh, we almost never travel on the weekend. I was telling her uh, this morning, I said, I think the last Sunday we've missed was back in September at my nephew's wedding, and uh, I, think we're, I think we're due, but I love being in church. I love going to church. I love our church people, and I love Grace Church. I love the, uh, the fact that you're here. So it's easy for me to speak on church, and when Jesus talks about this parable of kind of what, uh, of of the man having a feast, he's really reflecting on his church and how we need to operate as a body and how we need to operate as believers. So we're going to go to Luke 14. I'm going to start with verse number 12. And we'll read down a few verses. You may want to go home and read the rest of the chapter. Uh, it's really cool. It's really important. But for time's sake, I'm just going to pick out a few here and there. But we'll, we'll read because I love reading out the Word of God. He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a, di a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return uh, for you to be repaid. This is true. We use this in the dinner sense, but at the same time, here, here's what I want you to do, Grace Church. 
Here's what I really, I think, is important. Be careful not to invite people who are happy in their current church relationship. Does that make sense? Like, hey, you got to come to my church. If they're happy where they're at and they're a Christ follower, you need to bless them because there's a lot of people who don't go to church or there's a lot of people who maybe are looking for a church or there's a lot of people who maybe uh, uh, are are just unchurched. 27% of America don't go to church anywhere. So there's a lot of people out there that we could invite to church that are not happy where they're at. Are you with me? Maybe in their, in their realm. So if someone says, man, I go to this cool church, I'm happy there, you just move on to the next one. Does that make sense? That, that, that's been our philosophy now for 13 years. We just have to be careful that we're not doing things uh, in a, with a wrong spirit. Amen? Amen? All right, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A great man once gave a great banquet and invited many people. And at the time for the banquet, he sent to his servants out to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We, we know it's alive. We know it's blessed. We know it's anointed. We know it's fresh. We know it's new every day, just like manna. So we pray, Lord, today let this just be a new manna in our spirit. New manna, Father, Lord, for uh, those today who long and hunger, desire to be more like you. We pray that prayer over our church, Lord, over the church world in general and over Grace Church specifically. Lord, that we would just be new every day in you. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. So the Bible calls this a feast. We would look at it more as a wedding or a a huge opportunity, like a a one-time celebration, like an inaugural ball, or or in our cases, a a wedding, because a lot of people will have wedding. And and we'll look at four distinct different words here in just a moment on what maybe happens during a wedding and and some things. But in the old days, what would happen is a a man would get a chest, and they would call it a dowry, and they would that chest up of belongings, silver and gold, or articles of silver and gold, and then the father of the bride would pay the bridegroom a dowry for his daughter, so that the bridegroom would take the, the daughter, and the one the one promise would be that the daughter would be a producer, okay, of an heir or of a producer of the land or producer of the of the family line or in the family business. And so they would, in fact, pay. So again, the father paid a price for the daughter to get married. And then the uh, dowry chest turned into a little bit of a hope chest. Any ladies ever have a hope chest in your in your life where Janie had a hope chest when we first met and her, in her hope chest maybe were some family heirlooms or maybe uh, her and her two sisters wore the same wedding dress. So maybe that was figuratively in the hope chest, okay? And there's different things you place in a hope chest and then when you get married, you break open the hope chest. Well, this is maybe uh, grandma's uh, tea set or, um, you know, my great-grandma's china or uh, somebody's Bible. There are different things. And so the dowry chest turned into a hope chest instead of the father of the bride paying uh, the the bridegroom uh, to take uh, his daughter to be their wife, then it became the father of the bride. uh, And I don't know, I think this still happens, but then the father of the bride... 
took on the responsibility for most of the wedding costs. Does that make sense to you? And, 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 and young families, we have a lot of young families at the downtown campus uh, that have young daughters, and they, they were like, uh, oh, <laughs> no, can we get that rule changed? Well, you can, work, you can work on it. You can do whatever you want. But some people have like four daughters, you know, and, they're, and they, they're, you know, maybe, maybe one or so, and they had three left, you know. And so it's like my mom uh, had six boys and two girls, and so it was a little bit better in, the, in their particular case. So, uh, so then it becomes the, the burden of the father to pay for the wedding. Now, you have to understand what I'm saying in the context of the Scripture because the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. So if we're the bride of Christ, somebody paid the price for us to attend this feast. That person was God Almighty who sent his only begotten son, we sang it, to die for us and raise again so that we could have life everlasting, so we could attend this feast that the Bible's talking about. That should excite somebody today. That, that needs to excite you that you were invited to a party that wasn't originally thrown for you. Like, like maybe sometimes we feel like we're an afterthought or maybe only the privileged get to go or maybe the, the super spiritual get to go or the super political get to go or those people who maybe are look different than us or act different than us, they're, they're the ones that get to go. But God says he wants to invite everybody to this party. Everybody gets to come to this feast. And so if you look at it in the wedding stance that God paid the price through his son for the bride, and it's weird sometimes for us as men to say, well, we're the bride of Christ. He's talking about the church, but the church is not a location, an identity, or an organization. The church is the people inside of it. And so the church is the bride of Christ, and we've been invited now to this party, okay? And so now there's an invite. This is the thing that the first thing, and you might get it in the mail. You might have a big invite in the mail. Somebody's getting married this summer, and all of a sudden they'll say, hey, the, the parents of so-and-so bride, along with the parents of so-and-so groom, invite uh, a request the honor of your presence on such and such a date. So that's an invitation. It's very formal. So Jesus wants to invite you into his kingdom. But not only that, as a church, he wants Grace Church to invite other people into the kingdom of God as well. So this is the great thing about this party. It's not exclusive. It's an inclusive party where everybody can come to. It's like, man, I got an invitation. Did you get the invitation? Well, no, I was left out. No, you're not left out of this invitation. This is an invitation where you're invited because God has already, Father God, Abba, Daddy, has already paid the price for you to attend. So now I'm formally inviting you to a party that's going to take place in heaven, and that party is going to be amazing. It's going to be a table that stretches like longer than the earth, and you're going to have a seat at the table where other people maybe would never invite you to their party. Jesus says, would you come? Would you come? That's the second word, by the way. Would you come? So when we, we come, the come is the RSVP. Respond, uh, please respond in kind is the French connotation for RSVP. Please respond in kind. 
In other words, you, you send out an invitation. Like Jesus sends out an invitation. He sends it out to the whole world. Because he said, as, when the whole world hears about it, then I'll go ahead and return. So he wants to make sure that everybody's invited to this party. In fact, he wants everybody to come to this party. Could you imagine the size of the table, figuratively or literally? I'm a literalist in this particular case. I think there's just going to be a huge table, Henry, up in heaven that's going to have seats at it. I hope to sit by you. I mean, I hope you're up there by Jesus because that's where I want to be. But I want, to, I want us to sit together somewhere. We'll wear matching hats. I got a matching hat. We'll, we'll put our hats on. That'll be so sweet. <laughs> Although, I am going to have long, long hair in heaven. <laughs> Y'all know that. I've talked about that a lot of times. I'm going to flipping that stuff back. Our oldest grandson, Brady, he got this, man, he got this hair. And I'm trying to teach him to flip, you know. He does this now, but he's trying to teach him to flip. I'm going. Are you going? Oh, listen, I'm going. I, I, I'm, I have RSVP. What does RSVP? RSVP is our salvation. Like you've been invited to the, to the king's table, and now I want to respond. And so at the end of a service, we would say, let's give the invitation. This is the part where we give the invitation, and we hope someone responds. And this church, this church, in our ministries in this church, including the 16 churches that we've planted in Kenya, Africa, this church has seen over 95,000 responses for Jesus Christ. 95,000. 95,000 people. Well, pastor, if they, let, let, let's let Jesus weed them out, okay? But 95,000 people have accepted Christ. They've accepted the invitation to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So then Jesus says he wants you to come, but he looks around, and there's still room at the table. So he says, go get the poor, go get the lame, get the crippled, get the blind, get those who can't afford to come, who can't pay you back, get those who, who can't see straight, like they can't see spiritually, get those who can't even walk spiritually or, or stand, disciple them, but would you go get them? And then he says the third word. So first he says invite, then he says come, and then he says bring them. Would you bring them along? And now there's a little bit of effort on the church's part. Now it's like, okay, I sent out the invitation, man. I hope they come to the RSVP. Yeah, I hope they come. Well, we still got some tables. There's nothing. Now, those of you who have uh, had weddings where you've had people respond almost all the time, is there a table or two that you've bought, you've paid for, and there's nobody sitting at? Like, oh, man, that table was for so-and-so. And they responded. They responded like four or five. And me, Landon, being the thinker I am and knowing it costs, I'm thinking 40 bucks a head, and there's four tables here that nobody's sitting at. I mean, I want, I want to take that food home. I'm going to make sure that we, that we are, you, are you, so Jesus looks around and God says, well, wait a second, I sent my only begotten son. I sent him, church. And if we're a reflection of heaven, then church, we're supposed to be inviting people to church. And we're supposed to be saying, hey, can, can I pick you up? Or are you going to come? In fact, then we say, hey, I'll just go ahead and bring you. Let, let me just bring you to church. I want to take you to church. And, the, and a lot of people will say, yeah, but the church is the most hypocritical place on Sunday mornings in America. And I won't disagree, but I can say this. Why not Grace Church be different? 
Why not, why not we say, hey, yeah, 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 maybe that's one of my flaws. Maybe that's one of my fallacies. Maybe that's one of my shortcomings. Maybe I, I'm a hypocrite, but would you point out the hypocrisy in me so I can pray through and we can grow together? We can, we can walk through this thing together. Or you could do like I used to say, if the church is full of hypocrites, then at least there's room for one more. <laughs> but if we bring people, if we bring them, and that table is super large and super huge. And there, there's room for it because the, Jesus looked around at one point in time. And yes, it's a parable, but it's a reflection of heaven. And he's looking at the reflection through the church. And he, he sees several tables that, where there's room. And, and he wants to fill those tables up. Janie and I have a little place up in the, the mountains that we've been kind of restoring, okay, redoing it. And uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, we took out a wall. Actually, we hired someone to, to take a wall out and open it up. And then we, we put granite counters in there, and, and then we put a new sink and appliances. And uh, we contacted our realtor who, uh, that was not her first transition for us, by the way. And so, and then we, and we worked it over pretty good the first year. And then here lately, we've been working over again, we did some tile backsplash, and we put up a barn door, because HGTV, everybody's got barn doors, so we had to do a barn door, and uh, then we, new lighting, and, and uh, Janie, German schmeared the fireplace, now you, look it up if you don't, she doesn't have time to walk you through it, but look it up, YouTube it, it's really cool, That's what, and she German schmeared it, and, and so when we go up there, usually on our day off, uh, as we do at our primary residence, we'll have coffee, and then we'll break out our Bible or a devotion book, and we'll have a devotion. And then uh, we pray for anybody and everybody in the church that we can think about. And, and, and we call them out by name. It, and it, it's, it's, it's timely, but timely in a good way, you know. And especially during COVID, like we were, we were, we were on our knees praying for people, okay. And so uh, we would pr we pray for people. We pray for needs. We pray for people who had ser serious needs during uh, these times. And then uh, we, we go back and forth in our prayer. Then afterwards, she'll do up the dishes. Well, the other day, we were up there and she was doing up the dishes. So I thought I would help, which sometimes my best help is just staying out of the way. But I thought, I'm going to help. I'm going to be a good husband. So I'm drying our coffee mugs. I'm going to open the cabinet to put them away. And this, I'm not exaggerating. When I looked in the cabinet, there were eight sets of dishes in our cabin cabinet. A little second place out of the way. We have over 50 plates, not counting the desserts plate and then the bread plates and then the ice cream plate and all the other. And I'm like, honey, do you understand? Do you see all these plates that are, what in the world are you thinking? She said, well, I might need them sometime. What do you mean need them? You can't put five people in this place, let alone you have 50 plates. Well, I can line them out the back, Mark. I can set tables and chairs up, and we can, we can just have a big party out here. She loves to party. She loves to have invites. She loves to, to get together. She loves Sunday morning church, and I'm thinking right there is a picture of Jesus. He's got enough plates. He's got enough silverware. He's got enough glasses. He's got enough table. All he needs is us to bring people to the table. It's all he needs, church. I know this is a challenging message for you, but somebody invited us at some point in time. No, no, they didn't. Mama brought me to church every Sunday. <laughs> she told me to get the in the van, and I'm gonna get to church. And <laughs> y'all know, y'all laughing like, "Yep, yeah, that's my mama. That's my grandma. Yes, she did. She made me. She made me get to church. You better thank God for your mama and grandma." 
You better thank God for your grandma, mama. I'm just saying you better be thankful that you, they loved you so much they dragged you to church. They didn't bring me to church. They dragged me. Marcus, when he gets up and speaks, he said, man, I was, when growing up I had a drug problem. People are, are you speaking to us? Yeah. My mama drug me to Sunday school. My mama drug me to church. My mama drug me to worship practice. My mama, my mama drug me everywhere. I had a serious drug problem growing up. We need more parents like that that will drag their kids to, to church. When we, when we bring and then we talk about bringing people in to the kingdom of God, the table's full. And Jesus is like, man, go back out. He says it twice. Bring in the lame. Bring in the crippled. Bring in the blind. Bring in those who are poor. Please bring them in. In fact, then he gets to the end of that chapter and he says this. Go into the highways and hedges and compel. Everybody say compel. Compel them to come. That literally means whatever, use whatever means necessary. You got to take them to dinner afterwards, take them to dinner. You got to give them free coffee. We got the best coffee in, in Hickory right here at Grace Church. We got the best coffee workers in Hickory right here at Grace Church. If you got to bring them in for free coffee, just tell them you're going to buy them a cup of coffee at church. Uh, maybe that's lying. I, I don't know. But tell, yes, somebody said yes, it is. <laughs> tell them you're going to get them. Tell them the coffee's on you. Hey, the coffee's on me at Grace Church today. Compel, use whatever means there is necessary to bring them into church. Now, here, here, here's why. Here's why. You don't know. Like, we, the people that we do pray for, the people that we understand that maybe need a miracle, it's like Janie said, two, we're two or three gathered together, there will he be in the midst, right? So you're here, right? So Jesus is here, right? The Holy Spirit works through worship to where the presence of God is here, right? And yet everything is here for a miracle, sometimes except the person who needs the miracle. Like they're the one person that doesn't, doesn't show up. They're the one person that's not, that's not here for something and all they needed. 87% of Americans would go to church if they were invited. Hey, would you come to church? You've heard my exploits on knocking on doors. I've asked people, would you come to church? I go to church. What church do you go to? It's down the street. One person told me they go to Grace Church. I was looking at them. I said, what's the pastor's name? I don't remember the guy. <laughs> I said, is it Pastor Mark? Ah, I don't think that's it. <laughs> True story. True, true story. I said, maybe it's a different grace church. No, it's that one over there on, off 321. I said, yeah, the one that just kind of sits up behind Raceway. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I go there. I go there. I said, when was the last time you've been there? It's been a little while. I've been there 13 years. You, the past, you Pastor Mark? I said, I'm Pastor Mark. Oh, you caught me. I've been busted. I've been, I've been busted. <laughs> Come to find out, they came once for a free turkey, and uh, that became their church. Praise God. Bring them. Compel them. Whatever needs, whatever means necessary, compel them. There, I, I feel like, I'll tell one story, then we'll, we'll close. We're going to have communion today. When you're in God's presence, when you're in that setting, 
God has an opportunity to pour into you. God has an opportunity to, to challenge you. God has an opportunity to, to speak to you. God has an opportunity, and not only then to you, but, but through you, all right? I, I shared in the first service, I had a dream years ago about a, a baseball player who I saw on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and I, 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 there was a five or six page, page layout, and I saw, this, I saw this baseball player. I saw his, and I just, it was just a weird, it was like a vision, and I, and the, and the guy threw a, threw a no hitter, and it was all these things, and I was like, man, love it. And so I told a friend of mine who actually is connected with this baseball player. I said, I had a vision, man. I'm not saying you should even say anything. It's just like I had this dream, and I wanted to tell you, but I need to tell somebody about it. I, I'm not. I mean, I'm not connected to the guy. I'm not even saying tell the guy, but I, I want to tell you. I just want to tell you about. It. So the, him and his wife were like, you need to have him over for dinner, and I'm like, yeah, that's not probably going to happen because you know, we don't know him. He's no, nah, we'll arrange it. So it took him about a year and a half or two years to arrange. Uh, having this guy over our house and his family for dinner. So we cooked up some steaks, and I'm thinking, you know, he's going to be in and out probably 45 minutes. Well, three hours or, or over, he stayed at our house. And we just talked and, and laughed. And at the very end of the night, he thanked me for uh, the steaks and thanked Janie for uh, hospitality and inviting him over for dinner. And it was, you know, it was our honor and privilege. And, and I'm kind of a sports nut anyway, so we were able to talk. And, and so then he said, uh, you know, you, you had that dream dream. You had that dream that I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. In fact, I was, he said, but you also had a dream that I was going to pitch a, a no-hitter. I said, yeah. He said, well, I want to tell you that twice I've taken a no-hitter into the last inning of the game, and I've thought about that. I've thought about, hey, that preacher in North Carolina had that dream that I was going to pitch a, I was going to pitch a no-hitter. Might this be the day? Now, listen, hear me for a second, because I'm thinking now he's at the twilight of his career, and, and he's, he's had a successful career. I mean, just one of the great pitchers of our era, and, 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 uh, and he's never pitched a no-hitter until I look at my phone last Sunday, and he pitched a no-hitter, all right? Now, think about that for a second. I'm thinking, Lord, you are so cool. Not, and so here instantly was my prayer. I, my, my prayer wasn't, hey, remind him of the dream because of me. My prayer was, Lord, would you remind him that you had a dream for him years ago and now that dream is coming to pass. Are you with me? Because he was invited to our table so I could tell him about this dream and he was even compelled to come because he didn't know me, but there was a dream from someone who said, you need to come here about this dream, and the dream was something that I thought would have happened years ago, but now at the twilight of what's been a very successful career, he throws a no-hitter, and now I'm not saying that he what didn't know before, but this is something that God said, wait a second, I care so much about this person, I'm going to give somebody who doesn't even know him a dream about him. Now, when you invite somebody into the kingdom of God, you invite somebody into church, I believe that's what God does for us as well, that he has dreams for people, he has vision for people, he has love for people, he has joy for people, he has understanding for people, and when we walk in that realm and we say, okay, wait a second, God, I'm bringing so-and-so to church today, uh, and, and Lord, if you could just give them a word, or if you could just let your presence be known in their life. Or if you can just give them a spirit of hope. 
And the dream that you have or maybe have for someone else, I've had a dream for my daughter. I've had a dream for uh, 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 another pastor in our area. I've had, I've had a dream. I've had like four dreams of this magnitude. And this was the last dream I had that never came to pass. It was like, well, maybe, I, maybe it was something. Maybe I missed it. I mean, I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't disappointed. And then when, when this guy threw a no-hitter last week, I'm thinking, wait a second, God. It's so cool that you work on your time frame. Because Jeremiah 29 11, many of you know it says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans of welfare, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. In fact, Paul says that I have not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man those things that God has in place in store for him. So where we were brought to church or invited to church or maybe even compelled to come to church at some point in time. Maybe we were shown, hey, you got to come. Listen, the first time I stepped into an evangelical church was because I wanted to date that person over there, the blonde hair. And her daddy was, was a pastor and he said, you ain't coming to church. You ain't dating my daughter unless you come to church. And then after I went to church, he said, you still ain't dating my daughter. <laughs> God has a dream for you. Not only you, but God has a dream for people that you know. But Jesus has a table, and he's got a chair, and he's got a place setting for someone that you might know. Take five seconds just really quickly to think of someone that maybe the Lord has burdened you with, unctioned you for, told you about, inquired you on, that you maybe at least should start praying for. Lord, let me, let me find a way to invite this person to church. We have a neighbor next door that we've been, Jane and I have been praying for, and she just drove by the other day and said, I'm going to come to your church. We didn't invite her yet. I did, have not invited her. Well, I'm going to come to your church. And what time are your services? I'm, I'm going to come to your church. That's what prayer will do. But I think God's got a seat for her at the table. He's got a seat for her at our church, at Grace Church. Stand with me right where you're at. We're going to get ready to take communion, and we're going to ask for the, the ushers to go ahead and distribute the communion all through this place as quickly as they can. And it's, it's twofold. So the top part is the wafer. The bottom part is the juice. We're going to pray, or we're going to sing a song. The blood is still the blood. But I want to ask you for a moment while they're distributing, maybe this is an invitation for you. Maybe this is an inv invitation for you to respond, to come. Maybe this is an invitation for you to bring somebody. Maybe this is an invitation for you to compel somebody. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is compelling you right now. Hey, I need to get things right. And you say this, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me and help me, Lord. Let me walk in wholeness with you. Father, I accept you. I accept you. I accept the work on the cross. I, I accept the date that, that's, that's been paid by Father God as the, as the bride of Christ. Now meditate as we sing this next song. Let's meditate on the Lord. We'll take communion together. God bless you.
Isaiah 118 says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins have been as scarlet, I'll make them white as driven snow. So we take communion today, not only in remembrance of what Christ did for us, but in the community of fellowship that we have with him, that you too are invited to the table of Christ. But your past is gone. There's a future that lies ahead of you, and it's a bright, bright future. It's a good, good day. Yes, there might be suffering along the way, but Jesus showed us how to come out of it and how to live in it and how to have fellowship with it. So we take the communion element today, the wafer, and pray a blessing over it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare, Lord, that your gifts are good and perfect. Father, Lord, that your body was beaten, battered, and bruised for our iniquities. Lord, that we can lay them aside, that it pleased your Father to pay the price for us, that we've been invited to the table. I pray you bless this waiver today, Lord, that represents the body of Christ. Lord, we pray for healing today over those people who need healing, physical, spiritual, financial, mental, emotional, relational. We speak that, Lord, right now, life. And Lord, as we get ready to take this wafer, that you bring life internally into us, that we can continue to commune with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's take the wafer together. The Bible says in the same manner he took the cup and he offered it up as a blessing. The cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ that covers all of our sins. Oh, the blood, amen? Oh, the blood is still the same. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Father, we pray blessings over this cup today. We thank you, Lord, for Christ's followers. We thank you, Lord, for those who are working out their own salvation with fear and trembling. We thank you, Father, today that you've already made a way. But again, Father God paid that price. Bless this cup, Lord, today. Let it be ever mindful, of Lord, the, the, what you did for us, each and every one, as you spilled that blood that we can have, Lord, that for the sacrifice of our sins. We pray blessing today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take the cup together. God bless you.
I know only because I am related to the worship leader. <laughs> they have been working on some throwback golden oldies, so you might not want to miss the next few weeks. It's going to be, it's it's going to get it's going to get crazy around here in a good way, man. So isn't isn't God good? Isn't God good? Amen. All the time, God is good. He's so so good. Never forget the blood. Never forget the power of a dream. And never forget the words of declaration that you have that you can declare over you and your situation. Father, we declare right now, every good and perfect gift truly does come down from the Father lights from above. I pray you bless every person here. Lord, declare greatness in them. Declare the best in them. Declare, Father, a blessing and favor and increase. And declare, Father, Lord, the boldness to invite, to come, to bring and compel others into the kingdom of God. And thank you, first and foremost, Jesus, for doing, Lord, what Father God said, dying on a cross for us, that we could have life and that eternal. Bless each person as they go. Be with them this week. Bring them back on Wednesday night. In Jesus' name we pray. And the whole church said... Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have an awesome day. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.